uh, <clears throat> although at the end of class last week, uh, there, was, uh, there, there were rather a couple of questions. And I'm going to do something that I've not ever done generally before to kind of back up uh, to do this because there was a couple of questions. I thought these are really important questions. And if you want to turn your Bible to John 6, we're going to look at verse 37 again. That's where we ended, remember? This uh, passage that I said about the clarity of Jesus, the clarity of Jesus. And somebody incited me to do this, so I won't tell you who it is. I'll just give you their initials. Stan Shadded. <clears throat> oh, <clears throat> so, you're welcome, Stan. Uh, but on, on last week when we talked about Jesus' clarity, His ability to see and be clear, uh, this verse in John 6.37 that Jesus says, All that the Father give to me will come to me. And whoever comes to me, I will never cast them out. And some of you will never forget the word for no in Greek is what? Thank you. <laughs> yeah, OU. For all the OSU people. Yeah, it's OU. That's what it means. Uh, the word for no. And, and this, this uh, passage is written in a way that is the strongest way it can be written in any way in Greek because the two words for no are back-to-back. No, no. That's why translations translate it certainly not. So here's this statement that Jesus said, I will never cast you out if you come to me. You know, people uh, often have said to me, and some people even after class, well, isn't there a point at which you can't come? Isn't there a line? I mean, I heard that all my life. I heard it often that there's a point or a place or a line or a, I don't know, whatever. But, you know, the, the idea of where God will no longer receive you. And I, 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 I'm going to do this quick now because I've got some other stuff to do. I know one of the passages that people refer to. It's found in Genesis 6. It says, My spirit will not always strive with human beings or mankind. But don't stop there. That's all I ever heard as a kid. My spirit shall not strive with human beings. For he is flesh and he will live only for 120 years. What that is suggesting, if you've read Genesis before, is that human beings did not come into life, physical life, until God breathed his what? Spirit. Ruach, or spirit, or his breath. And all that passage is referring to, in my judgment, is that human beings are not going to live forever. That's all that it is. It isn't some statement that God's going to finally give up on you, or stop caring about you, or stop calling you, or stop responding to your request for need. So I, you know, I, I've looked over the Bible quite a while, and I can't find any place where it suggests that there's a place or a point or a line. Now, there, we do know that Jesus talked about there is one unpardonable sin. It's called blasphemy against the Holy Spirit. You go look at it in Mark. But let me, let me just say something to you because I know there are sensitive souls that when they hear that and, and they, they sort of take that in. I've met a lot of people over the years who thought I've committed the unpardonable sin. I said, well, why is that? Well, I did this and did that. Listen, can I say this to you that when the Pharisees said what they said about Jesus, that he was from the devil... They didn't go home that night and say, you know, maybe we're a little hard on him today. They had no interest, no concern, none whatsoever about what they had said. Any person that has any concern or desire or awareness of their need for Jesus is not beyond coming to him and he will not cast you out. Okay? Let's be clear about this. The problem isn't on God's part. The problem isn't it's well whether or not we will come to him. He said, if anyone will come to me, I will never cast them out. Now, let, let me give you an illustration on this or this idea. <clears throat> um, I'll give you a couple of verses just to look at here in, in Hebrew, later. Hebrews 3, uh, uh, I'll, I'll refer you to this, Hebrews 3, 13 and 14. Um, 
I, this is an illustration I use with my students about how people get to the point that they don't come to Jesus or how people get to the point that, that they're at that, this, this level of need. I used to jog before my back went out years and years ago, and I had a Walkman. Anybody remember those Walkman? Yeah, any, anybody, anybody under 30 has no idea what I'm talking about, okay? Right, yeah. How about an 8-track tape player? I remember when Sergeant Peppers came. Anyway, okay. First time. Remember when Sergeant Peppers came out? First 8-track tape. Uh, I remember I used to jog with a Walkman. And back then, basketball players wore shorts, not... Not capris. <laughs> right? Yeah. Or pajamas. I mean, those shorts are all the way down past her. We wore short shorts back when I was running. Yeah. And, and I, sorry to say, some of the people in my church were not real excited. I didn't wear a shirt, uh, you know, or, and I only had, and it had just a little elastic band there on that heavy Walkman. And, you know, I would run and step off the curb every once in a while, and that thing would call it, hit the ground, bam, like that, you know. And I'd pick it up and keep running, and, and uh, you know, I'm going along, and, and I would never stop. I'd just pick it up keep running. And, and that would happen over time. You know, every once in a while, I'd step off a curb or do something, and it would jiggle off of that little band there. It was just real small. and hit the ground. It would, after a while, you know, every once in a while, I would have to take the dial on that, Walkman and kind of like my dad would say, you got to hold your mouth just right to tune this thing. <laughs> By the way, have you ever noticed guitar players always do something with their mouth when they're playing? Yeah. I don't know. Dave, help me here. Uh, so, you know, I had to really be careful how to tune it. And then I, I dropped it a few more times. And at one point I had to put aluminum foil in the earpiece. <laughs> yeah. I'm, so I'm having to tighten it up, tighten it up. And so, you know, I'd, I'd keep running, and it would keep happening. And one day, finally, I, it happened again, and I picked it up, turned it, and it wouldn't work. And I thought, well, the batteries are out. You know, we've got some bad batteries here. So I put new batteries in it. And uh, uh, so, you know, it didn't fix it. And so I kept messing around. And then finally I thought, well, KTRH is off the radio station in Houston. It's pretty unlikely. 50,000-watt blowtorch, you know. You, you know what had happened is that through some abuse, if you will, through some abuse of my Walkman, it had gotten to the point, now stay with me here, that it couldn't receive the signal. Now I want to be serious with you here about this because this is a serious matter. Uh, There is nothing in Scripture that ever indicates that God ever stops calling people or stops being concerned about people. There is a strain, I'll show you here in a minute, to where sometimes what we do to ourselves begin to wreck that receiver, right? There was nothing wrong with the radio station. I had abused this receiver to the point that it, that it couldn't, uh, couldn't pick up. And this is part of what the Scripture is talking about when it says be careful about sinning, living in sin. But, you know, by the way, you know, there are, hun- I know y'all gonna- there are hundreds of voices in this room right now. Do you know that? Now, now you're scaring me. <laughs> You know there are three or four people live up here, right? That's a fact. But there are lots of voices uh, in this room. Pause. While we're here. Head over to news.commando.com for all the breaking tech news. And the address is simple for our website, komaindio.com. 
This is KLVI Radio out of Beaumont, Texas. Now, the reason I can hear this and you can hear it is I have a receiver. I have a receiver. I, I just want to say to you that I do believe the Scriptures teach that we can do things that affect our ability to receive. Go back to Hebrews 3.13 there real quick when it says this. I, I just This is nothing on God. This is not His, if you will, problem with us. He's, not, he's still calling. But in chapter 12 of Hebrews, I'm sorry, chapter 3 of Hebrews, verse 12, it says, Take care, brethren, that there not be in any of you an evil, unbelieving heart that falls away from the living God. Instead of, here's the antidote, but encourage one another day after day as long as it's still called today so that none of you will be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. Watch that. Look at that. That, that none of you will be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. My students, I talk to them when I talk them in school, I, I think that a lot of people think that sin is a zero-sum game. You go into it a certain way and you come out the same way. And the writer of Hebrews is telling us here that sin has two effects. What is it? It deceives you and it hardens you. You see, there's nothing wrong again with God in the signal. There's nothing wrong with Him. But sin has this operation of deception and hardening. And I've, I, I've always told my students, isn't it interesting? When something gets hardened, it becomes insensitive. Right? I used to play guitar years ago and still play a little bit. And when I first started playing, the ends of my fingers felt like boils. They were so sensitive. I mean, it just, they hurt like crazy when I did that. After I played a while, though, those sensitive fingers got hardened. I could put a needle through the end of it because I had calluses. Why? It got hardened. So sin has this hardening effect. And I wouldn't be telling you the truth if I don't tell you this. There's nothing on God's end. He said, if you'll come to me, I will never cast you out. You can bank on that. Remember John Bunyan said this was the verse the devil fought him more over than any other verse in the Bible because it's a categorical statement. If you come to me, I will not cast you out. But what happens with sin is it hardens us and it deceives us. The, this, the, the, the interesting thing about deception is when you're deceived, you don't know it. When you're deceived, you don't know it. That's the nature of deception, right? You don't know it. And so Jesus is saying, I will never cast you out. But the Bible is clear to say that there is, in our sense, a responsibility for us to take this serious enough to say that we can do things to ourselves that cause this matter of this signal or this understanding to be confused and mixed up. Now, you know, when, people always say, when does that happen, Cliff? I'll tell you this. I, again, I'll say this. Uh, let me read you a, a quote. I'm, I'm getting all technology today on you. Uh, A.W. Tozer said this, The purest saint at the moment of his greatest strength is as weak as he was before his conversion. What does that mean? That if you know you need Jesus and you have an awareness that you're weak without Him, you're not in any problem. With me? If you know, if, I, if there's an awareness of need, you don't have to be afraid of this. You don't have to be afraid. Well, because some of you are going to, oh, well, my receiver's all goofed up. I, I don't, I'm just telling you this. I'm saying, be, be aware of what sin can do to us. Not what it does to God, what it does to us. It deceives us and hardens us. And that's not a good thing. But God's grace is willing and able to anyone, anyone who will call out. I'm going to go further. Let me, I told Becky, a verse I've been struggling with or a thing. 
in Luke 18, you go look at this later. In Luke 18, boy, we're, I'm all over the place today, right? I told you we're going to be in John 6 much. <laughs> we're going to be there some. In Luke 18, uh, in, in Luke 18, Jesus tells the story of a Pharisee that goes to the temple and prays, you know, I'm better than other people, isn't that great? And, like that, and, and a tax collector comes. Tax collector comes and he, and he says he won't even look up. He won't even look up. And he says, he just says this, God, God be merciful to me, a sinner. Just, that's all he said. And Jesus said, that man went home justified. You know, I had some struggles in my life of things I've done that I've thought, well, I've got to make that right. Or I've got to fix that. And, and, and I can't. It's happened. It's already happened. Can't fix it. Can't change it. Jesus doesn't say this guy cried out and said, I promise to be better. I'll do good. I'll fix what I messed up. I won't do that. He just says, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. And the Bible says he went home justified. Listen, your need, your sense of need for Jesus is what qualifies you for his grace and strength. The only people I ever worry about, people don't have any need. People don't have any need. They've just come to the point that, well, I'm, you know, I'm as good as I need to be, and, and uh, you know, I'm better than most others. So there's no place in the Bible that I know of that I can, and I've studied it, and look, because I have had questions like that myself, where God has said, that's it, I'm done with you. We're, we're finished. No. Whoever comes to me, I will never cast out. The question will be this in some people's lives. They don't know they need to come. They don't know they need to come. There is no sense of need in them. There's no sense of awareness that they need Jesus. See, that's the greatest danger for anyone. Not that you are so needy, not that you know that you're needy. Your greatest danger and my greatest danger is that we come to what we don't think we have any needs. That's the danger. And that's when the signal, in my judgment, gets mixed up. That's when the problem sets in now. And I, I just I, I felt compelled to say that. And uh, I, I hope if that's helping somebody that uh, it will uh, uh, bring them along the way. But I, you don't have to be afraid that there's some magical point. If you ever have a sense of need, if you ever have an awareness of needing Jesus, you just come to Him. What did He say He would do? This is a test. <laughs> never. Never cast you out. Never. Take that to the bank. Okay? Now, in all of that saying, as Jesus is working, we're going to stay in six here for a minute, there, there is uh, this understanding in this conversation that there are some reactions to this. There are some reactions to what Jesus is saying. Some of them are understandable. Some of them we go kind of scratch our head. In, in John 6, we're going to finish out today somehow, somewhere. In verse 59... These things Jesus said in the synagogue as he taught in Capernaum. This is a picture I took right behind there. I've got another picture of it. Is the Sea of Galilee. These are the mountains. And when we were in Israel, I think I mentioned this some time ago that we'd gone to Israel. There's a synagogue there that's still there. It's called the White Synagogue, partly because of the stone. And this is where Jesus was teaching this. 
I mean, I stood right in there. I saw the, the line where they said, this is the baseline here when Jesus was here in this synagogue. It was an amazing experience to stand because this is where Jesus is speaking and teaching in this synagogue. And, and he's going to get some reactions. I, I think sometimes we, we think Jesus is sweet and nice. Nobody ever reacts to him. But there's reactions. You know, I, I was thinking about that, reactions. And, and that's what we're going to talk about today. Uh, in, in January, I don't know if you remember or not, but Target reported that somewhere between about 40 million credit cards got hacked. Remember that? Yeah. And then the New York Times reported in January that 70 to 110 million had been. Made you feel good about going there? <laughs> I remember when I, after that, the reaction I had for that was one, I said, I'm never going to use my credit card there again. I'm going to pay cash. The next time I went, however, I reminded the cashier at that stand that I said, I know why you guys are in trouble. Because every time, if you'll notice, when you run your card through that, it says, swipe your card. <laughs> That's what it says. They already told us. I keep saying all these business. Hey, change that to scan your card. Use your card. Quit swiping my card, would you? Right? So when I saw all that, I mean, I had a reaction. I thought, I'm going to pay cash now when I go to this place. And I'm not putting them down. I guess they've got it all fixed up. It, you know, they're a great company. Uh, I, I went online for the first time and decided I'm going to register my credit cards. And I'm going to start watching them every day and see what's going on. And then the back of my mind said, yeah, and your bank's going to get hacked. Yeah. Where are we in this world? <laughs> These are reactions to things. I mean, there are, these are normal reactions to things that we do. In Jesus' time, in His speaking and teaching, there are some reactions here that we'll look at. And it's the reaction of Jesus' disciples and followers. Look at verse 60. After Jesus had spoke these things, it says, Therefore many of His disciples, when they heard this, said, This is a difficult statement. Who can listen to it? But Jesus, conscious of His disciples' grumbling, said to them, does this cause you to stumble? Now, think about this. Jesus had made some statements. He had said, I am the bread of life. I'm what brings life to you. You can eat bread and food and steak and all you want to, but I'm the source of life for you. And, and many of us have found that to be true. Jesus had said, in the midst of all of this, you have to eat my flesh and drink my blood. Now, just think about that for a second. Eat my flesh and drink. It's what he says. He who eats my flesh and drink, verse 54, has eternal life. I mean, this is an idea of, of you know, cannibalism. No, no, it's an idea of taking Jesus as the very sustenance and source of my life. But think how offensive that would be to that group. What did Jews usually think about blood? Sacrifice. Could you eat it? No. You couldn't, you had to drain it out of the food that you ate. I mean, for Jesus to say something like this to a Jewish crowd is just bizarre. For, for him to say, You've got to drink my blood. Now, the scriptures say in places that the life is in the blood. He's saying, I'm your source, I'm your, your sustenance. You've got to have all of me for you to live. It's a difficult statement, it's harsh. Uh, the, the Greek word scleros means this. It's, it's hard. It's difficult. It's, 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 it's hard to digest even in that respect. So Jesus' statement in, in one sense uh, it, it, it is just hard. Look in what it says. Many of his disciples, 
didn't follow. Now that word there, we, you know, we, when we think of the disciples, we think of 12 guys or 11, you know, eventually, 12 people. But the word disciple means follower. It means somebody who's following along or imitating. Uh, this is not just a term that Christians use. In the ancient world at that time, uh, Plato had disciples and Aristotle had disciples and, and uh, uh, rabbis had disciples and, and Bob had disciples, whoever he was. Uh, uh, but the sages always taught that, that you would take a people to yourself and they would follow you. And that's what the Word says, that, that they no longer walked with Him or, or followed Him. We'll see that in a minute. That, that the word mathetais, or, or the Greek idea here, is that rabbis would say you're to, you're to walk so closely or follow your rabbi so closely that the dust that he kicks up gets on your clothes. And there's, that's kind of an interesting metaphor, that, that you should be so close and walking and following that the dust that he kicks up uh, is on your clothes. And Jesus does make a difficult statement here. There's no getting around it. I, I, I tell my students sometimes, I, if you read all of the New Testament, if you read all the Gospels, guys, let's be honest, there's some difficult statements, aren't there? I mean, you, we can pick and choose, cherry pick what we like, and I've got those for me. Jesus is not always that easy to get along with. He makes some statements that I just go, whoa, hold it here. There's got to be another explanation. <laughs> That's why we have theologians, right? So we can explain it away. <laughs> You have to deal with it. Jesus makes a statement and they say, this is difficult, Jesus. This is really difficult for us. We're having a hard time hearing this. See, many of these disciples or followers had been happy when Jesus was feeding people. And they were happy and willing to follow when He was healing people. But things are starting to get serious here now. This teaching is getting a bit too serious. It may cause some adjustments to my life. And now notice, look there, it says in verse 61, they were grumbling. If you notice this in chapter 6, you can go back and look at this, but the only other time that people are grumbling in the Gospel of John, besides the disciples here, are religious leaders. Back in 641, when Jesus said things, they grumbled. It means to murmur. It means to, they're not happy about this. So, so Jesus says these things and He says, is this causing you to stumble? Is me saying that I'm your source for your life? I'm it. You're going to have to find me as your source. You're going to have to look to me. I wrote in my notes here. I thought, you know, I thought this that when Jesus, when I was a kid, I heard people say, you know, if anyone wants to be my follower, they have to deny themselves, take up their cross, and follow me. I always thought denying myself meant I couldn't do anything fun, right? Because all the people in my church look like that. <laughs> I since found that they were just boring people, right? What? They couldn't have fun if you dropped them in Disneyland with $3,000, you know. They, I mean, I'm serious. It's just weird. Well, and that was all back in another state. Um, but denying yourself. Well, you know, if you like something here, you can't have it. I always said, you know, I, I want to deny myself. God, please don't ever send me to Hawaii as a missionary. That didn't work. <laughs> it, it really, I mean, this statement is harder than that. Than just saying, well, just don't do the things you like to do. Or, you know, don't, don't eat the food you like or like that. What Jesus is really saying is this. Refuse to accept that you're the source of your own life. Refuse to accept that. Ref you, you, you have to refuse to accept that you're the source of your own life. Jesus said, 
you don't have, I've got, I'm going to give you life. You don't have it. You know, some of us have come to that slower than others to say, you know what? I've, I've had cars and houses and things like that. And we've lived, but you know what? That, that doesn't bring life. Jesus is the one who brings life. He brings life at a level that I've never known before. And he's just simply saying, look, that's a hard statement. You, you, you have to give up on being the source of your life. It's much deeper than just quit eating cheeseburgers or, you know, don't wear cool clothes or some of y'all don't have no problem with that. But uh, not saying who. Verse 66. As a result of this, many of his disciples withdrew and were not walking with him anymore. And the word disciple here is real. These are real followers. These are the words of... When Jesus said in Matthew 28, 18 to 20, go make disciples, same word. These people decide, hey, no, I'm checking out. This is too hard. This sounds too fundamental to me. This, this sounds too harsh to me. And Jesus is telling these people today, are you going to follow me? And I, you know, I, I've told you before, I, when, when, if, if you're in the doldrums in your Christian life, if you just feel like, you know, I'm not growing. And of course, I don't know if you can even evaluate that. I, I've come to the point, I don't know anything anymore. I, I, you know, I'm, I'm serious. I don't think you can evaluate that. But I tell you what, if, if you would like to take Jesus seriously, you know, one of the places we run from often is the Sermon on the Mount because, man, it is powerful. Sermon on the Mount, when Jesus said, love those who persecute. Pray for those who misuse you. Help those in need. Don't think that you can get by with just not doing an act. Some of these things are in the heart. Those are harsh statements. Those are tough. And sometimes if we're not careful, if you're like me, I have if I got favorite passages when I want to run to when I feel a certain way. I do. I made a commitment last year, and November is the end of it, but I don't know if I'm going to stop. I made a commitment last November that I would not read anything in the Bible in my own devotional time except the Gospels. I'm going to tell you something. This guy is emerging in a different way than I've seen him before. He really is. I, I, I'm seeing Jesus in a different way. He's, he's bigger. He's more, he's more magnificent. He, he, he has greater compassion for people. And, 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 and he says some things that are not that easy. I'm not saying try this in your own strength. I'm... I'm not saying, uh, you know, go find something hard to do and just do it. What I'm saying is that Jesus often, if, if we'd be honest, is calling us to living a life that some people just don't want, right? I think it's foolish for us to think that everybody wants to follow Jesus. That's not true. There's too, there's too high a quotient. So let me just ask you this. What if this week you ask yourself if you're avoiding a difficult statement of Jesus? Have you been avoiding one? How could you get some help? Now listen to me, listen to me, listen to me carefully. Read, write these words down. It may be difficult because you don't really understand it. <laughs> if, if there's a difficult statement, you say, you know, I've wondered about this, thought about this, and just I've kind of avoided it. So maybe go to that and say, okay, how could you get some help in understanding and applying this statement? It may be that you just don't understand it. That's what's so difficult about it. And it may not be that, that difficult at all. So I'm not just saying get something and go do something. I'm not Nike here, just do it. I, I'm not, I don't believe that. But, but there may be a difficult statement that you need to say, you know, I, instead of kind of walking around this thing and avoiding it, 
Maybe, maybe I need to get some help, someone to talk to, some, some understanding here about this particular passage. And there are lots of people on our staff, lots of people around here that could talk to you and help you and say, you know, I've wondered about this, and it's right there in the red letters. How could I get some understanding and then, and then maybe, maybe apply this in my daily living? This is why I think, you know, that the poor and, and others were so responsive to Jesus. They didn't really have much to lose, right? When you don't have anything. I, I remember when Becky and I first got married, you know, I was ready to go to the mission field any minute. Any minute. Because we had, you know, a car and a bicycle and three dishes. <laughs> when we got married, no kidding, our table was a box. A cardboard box. But you know what? You start accumulating things and get more things, and now I think, well, now I got the car and I got a 401k, and you know, I'm not saying that's bad. I, I'm just saying that we sometimes avoid the things of Jesus as we get more confident and competent in life. And I'm just asking me, myself, and, and you. Now, watch this also. <clears throat> the second thing the reaction of Jesus. So, verse 67, so Jesus said to the twelve, you do not want to go away also, do you? I, I've, heard, I've heard different statements. I went back and, and did a little grammatical work on this. But, but Jesus turns to these guys. Now, look, think about it. All these people are leaving. See ya. We're out of here. And, and Jesus turns to his twelve. And he just says, do you, you, know, do you want to go too? Now, some have interpreted that, that, you know, Jesus has an open-door policy. You know, he, he's not going to force you to follow him. He, he's not, he's not, he's not going to make you follow him. It, this, this is something you must be convinced of and aware in your own life. Maybe it's an open-door policy. Are, are you going to go to? The interesting thing about this passage, though, is uh, that the way it's written in Greek, it... it it anticipates a negative answer. And what I mean this is, is that, no, we're not going to leave you. You can write in Greek. Like I told you, remember the, the word O-U means no? Just let that settle. <laughs> the other Greek word is may, M-E, along E, that means no. And when a sentence is written with that at the beginning, in a particular, I won't go into, in a particular mood called the indicative, then it is answering itself by saying no. The answer is no. Isn't that interesting? Jesus said, you don't want to go away also, do you? No. No, he, he knows that. But why is Jesus even asking that to these guys? He knows the answer. Is it possible that sometimes Jesus asks us questions so we can understand about us? I mean, you know, I remember some years ago, I was getting ready to go do something and, and, and I, had, I don't hear the Lord's voice. I'm not that spiritual. I told you I sound like I'm lots more spiritual than I am. You asked Becky. And, uh, but I, I remember getting ready to do something. I thought, well, I don't know if I should do it. And I just had the Spirit of God say to me, hey, Cliff, what are you doing? Now, you know he knows, right? <laughs> He's not gathering information. He knows, wow, I wonder what Cliff's up to. I said... I'm about to do this. And then he said, no, you're not. You're wanting to do this. And I said, man, it's hard to get past you. <laughs> right? You know, Jesus asked lots of questions to people. Not because he didn't know the answer to it. Not because he needed information. He needed the person to face it. I mean, 
Here these guys are blowing out. They're leaving. They're, 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 they're just getting out of here. And Jesus saying, are you going to go too? I know you're not, but I want to hear you. I want you to hear it. I want you to say it. I want you to declare it. I want you to hear this coming out of your own mind. There have been times when I've been teaching, and I would go back to my office. I thought, where did that come from? I heard myself say something to go, where did that come from? Sometimes Jesus, in his response to us, is to say, I want you to know this. I want you to know this. Think about this. Jesus may be asking you and me during the week. He knows we're going to follow him. Are you going to follow me? And he knows we're going to say yes. He doesn't need it for his benefit, but we need it for our benefit. You betcha, Jesus, I am. I'm following you. I know it could be tough. I know it could be difficult, but I'm following you. It just doesn't make sense if he knows the answer, right? There's got to be some other reason here he's asking this question. And, 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 and so he, it's not an open, he's not chiding them. Here's what this idea then is. What if this week you did something that shows you're not one who will leave following Jesus? What, what if this week, I mean, listen, application is critical. You'll, you'll never remember anything I say if we don't do something about it. But what if this week you did something that shows you're not one who will leave following Jesus? I don't know what that looks like in your life. My guess is you do. That, that there are things and situations you find yourself in during the week and you would say, you know what, I, 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 I'm going to, by doing this, I'm, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not going to leave following him. I, I'm, I'm, I'm in the game. I'm, I'm still in. This idea of not leaving or deserting. What could you do this week? Now, I want to get to this last one here. <clears throat> the reaction of Peter. Simon Peter answered him. Boy, these, I, for me, I, you know, I read these words years ago. But I mean, they just reverberate through my soul. Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. We have believed, we have believed and come to know that you're the Holy One of God. Now, you know, Peter at times is impulsive and he says things that he regrets later. I, I, I get that. <laughs> but what a statement. Everybody's leaving. Jesus said, I know you're not going to leave me, but are you going to go? And Peter has this remarkable opportunity to say to him, Lord, you have the words of eternal life. Now, there's something interesting in the Greek here. I'm not going to go into a lot of detail, but when it says here, the, the definite article is gone. You have words of eternal. That's intentional. Because whenever in Greek the, 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 the definite article is not used, the quality of the word, the term, is expressed. In other words, he's saying, you have the words that lead to eternal life. Let me, let me ask you something about this. J- just think about this. Peter did not say that Jesus had said something easy to hear. He didn't say, well, you know, the rest of those guys, they're not as committed as we are. You know, they're, they're not, we're here. Jesus didn't say that what, or Peter didn't say that what Jesus said was what they wanted to hear. He simply confessed, we know that you have the words of eternal life. Now you can go back and listen because remember, eternal life is not length. Eternal life is not length. If eternal life is length, everybody's got it. Because everybody's going to live somewhere 
what? Forever. Eternal life isn't length. It's a kind of life. It's the kind of life that Jesus brings. That's why he said in John 10, 10, I've come that you might have life. Apparently you don't have it, right? If I came to bring it. So eternal life is not a length or a quantity of life. It's a quality of life. And Peter says, you've got the words that bring real life. You've got the words that bring real life. Your words bring life and vitality to anyone who will follow. Think about this. Do you believe that? This is where, again, it gets a little thorny. As a leader, I have, I'm in several leadership positions and like that. Do I really believe that the words of life for leadership is that the great leaders are those who serve or seek to be served? Do I believe that? Let me ask you this. Do you believe the words of life that when Jesus said, if you'll give your life away for my sake, you'll find it. If you hold on to it, you're going to lose it. See, these are why the crowd's left. You want, you want life? <clears throat> Give your life to me. And for my sake. And you'll find life. You know, Jesus said, you know, if you want to live a life of fulfillment, give. Don't be constantly taken. Give. Do we believe that he really has the words of eternity, not length. I'm not talking about length. See, we think, oh, I'm a Christian, I asked Jesus about it, and I'm going to heaven. Wonderful, I hope I see you there. <laughs> hope you see me there. <clears throat> More than that. <clears throat> I'm not too worried about you. <clears throat> Got a couple of questions about me. We're not talking about length. This is the whole by and by, pie in the sky stuff, you know, everything's in it. No, this is now. I will never forget. I'm not going to tell you how old I was, but I was old. Er, not as I am now, but later. Anyway, I told you there are three or four people up here. Just turning that radio on really messed me up. <clears throat> when I was driving to work one day, teaching the Bible weekend and week out, and in my car, kind of a private sanctuary, I said to Jesus, Okay. Okay. I believe you're not just a spiritual guru and you're not just the son of God and you're not just the savior of the world but you know how life works and I will follow you. When you say how I should manage my relationships that's what I'm doing. When you say how I'm going to manage my time and life that's what I'm doing. I, I, I just can't tell you how a shock that was to me that I'd sort of relegated Jesus to the religious dimension of life, that he had eternal life. I mean, I'm going to heaven, you know, it'd be wonderful. I'm going to play a guitar, not a harp. You know, it's going to be all wonderful up there, right? As I began to study the Bible more and more, I said, no, this life that Jesus brings is not length or quantity. It's quality. You know that. I've heard people say I lived more life in 10 minutes for Jesus than I did for 20 years serving myself. So I can see it on your face. 
Some of you are saying, I, 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 I don't regret a minute because he brought life. Does he really have the words of life? Be careful. He says things about relationships. He says things about life. He says things about money. He says things about forgiving. He says things about enemies. He says things about neighbors. He says things about friends. He says things about our heart. He says things about our motives. He says things about our life. Are those all the words of life? My life changed when that happened. It's not future stuff. It's now. And look at this or a sequence. I, I'm, I'm going to let you go. i got to go. Uh, look at verse 69. We have believed and come to know. <clears throat> you know, for some of us, <clears throat> that's the, well, uh, all of it, it's the sequence. Some of us are hedging about doing something that Jesus said or His words, because we don't know if it's going to work, right? I'm like the children of Israel. I'm saying, part the Red Sea and I'll be there. <laughs> Get the Jordan open and we're going. No, He says, when the sole of their foot, I'm like this. See, when you, when you believe, you will then come to know. It's not the other way. You don't know and then come to believe. If you believe that Jesus has the words of life, you and I have to step out. We'll have to take a risk. We'll have to at times say, you know, I don't know this. I've not seen it happen. I can't figure it all out. But I believe it. And Peter just says that we have believed and we've come to know that you have the words of eternal life. For some of us, that's going to mean stepping out. Not knowing. Not understanding all of it. But taking Jesus seriously to say, you have the words that matters for life, not just for heaven, not just for eternity, but you have the words for life. And Peter says, we're not going anywhere because there's nowhere else to go. Wouldn't that be a great place to be? That, that battle of am I going to believe or not, or am I going to do it? It's, it's done. It's over. I believe that you have the words. That bring life. So here's the question. We'll be done. What if this week you decided to take the words of Jesus seriously in your life? Pick one statement by Jesus and live it this week. Don't go for the fence. You know, don't, 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 don't get the most difficult. Just a statement he made. You know, if you give, you'll receive. These reactions are just fascinating to me. The reaction of the disciples that were following and left. The reaction of Jesus to that. And the reaction of Peter. Let's pray real quick. Lord Jesus, we want our reaction to be the reaction of Peter. We've settled the issue. There is nowhere else to go. So we look to you, Jesus, as our strength and source, as our life that you bring us. We pray this in the strong name of Jesus. Amen. We'll be in chapter 7 next week. That's a promise.